Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest has been on the podcast before and is back to talk to us about a very worrying subject of self-harming that seems to be happening more and more in schools and with kids nowadays. She began her career as a classroom teacher but quit and established a harm prevention charity called Youth Excel. She soon became well known for successful outcomes with tweens and teenagers who did not flourish under the more traditional forms of therapy. Over the next 20 years, Youth Excel continued to grow and expand. The Youth Excel Centre established a multidisciplinary clinic offering psychology, counselling and mentoring of children and teenagers. Today, she uses her experience to write and speak in schools, at community events and through the media. Her best-selling parenting and children resources, including the highly popular Everyday Resilience Journal have sold over a hundred thousand copies worldwide and have been translated into several languages. She has been termed the teenage expert by the media and sought after for her compassionate and grounded advice. Her innovative work has been featured on the Today Show, Today Tonight, Channel 10 Morning News and Sky News, as well as countless print media, including The Age, The Courier Mail and The Daily Telegraph. You can hear her on radio in Australia on a weekly basis as well. Welcome back, Michelle. It's so great to have you back on the show. Oh, this is cool. Always speaking to someone a second time. Yeah. It's just like you've done a warm up. We know each other we now. Do. So this is going to be fantastic. Yeah, no, definitely. So look, self-harming. Oh my God, it's just frightening. Um, Mm. I've, uh, within my family sphere, as it were, um, I've, you know, we've we've had people who have self-harmed, friends Mm. and, and, you know, people that I know as relations. Well, what is self-harming first, right? Because it can cover so many different things. It really can. And that's a really important point to start with. Let me say first that self-harm is not as unusual as people might think it is. I loved how you let in and just sort of normalized it a bit in the sense that, look, I, you know, within my sphere and in my world, this has been something that we've dealt with. And research just formally tells us there's about 10% of young people who try self-harm during that period of time through, say, middle school up to the end of high school. But those stats are only taken, normally done through like hospitals and uh, research clinics and GPs. And we know that like the vast majority of kids, like 70% of them, don't even show up for medical attention. So, yeah, so some of the stats coming out of the UK post-COVID have been around 27% of young people self-arming. And that's, again, done probably through the medical profession. But the community research really interests me. So small, maybe um, not as regulated community research is is taking it much more around that 20%. So this is 
you know, a, a strategy that particularly young people, that's what the research is telling us, around those middle school years, Claire, mm. do you remember? Remember oh, the middle school years? Like, well. like, and- <laughs> there's so much going on. Look, there's so much going on. And I'm imagining for people, young, you know, young people nowadays, it's so much more intense than when it was when I was a kid. I just mm-hmm. had the people in my local area to like look at and deal with. Whereas mm-hmm. kids nowadays have globally have like all those influences with social and media. There's, there's rabbit warrants they can go down online. So you remember those big emotion days that we all oh. had as teenagers where the world was coming to an end and yeah. no one could convince us any differently. Imagine if we had a, had access to technology and look, particularly TikTok, I keep a good eye on what's happening there because I feel like it's <laughs> it's so much more current than any research coming out. You get instant feedback on where yeah. young people's head is at, but you can find a lot of content and communities very, very quickly. Quickly. Mm. So what self-harm? Should we get back to that one? Yeah, well, like what is it? Because my view on self-harm is somebody getting a razor blade or something and making marks in their skin. Okay. And so it, but I'm, I'm that's yeah. my interpretation of it, but I don't know if I I'm hope lying. this what I hope what I'm about to say will really help parents and professionals because I think we often talk about self-harm in the terms of like, you know, cutting or burning. Yeah. But it's really the intention that defines self-harm, not oh, just yeah. the behaviour itself. So there's, if you type into Google creative ways to self-harm, you're going to realise like everything from unsafe sex to train surfing to like, I mean, the diversity is unbelievable. But it's anything someone does to intentionally hurt themselves in normally um, the purpose of expressing, coping with, or controlling emotional pain. It can also be used as a form of self-punishment and that comes up in research as well. But if we really think about the importance of staying connected to our kids' intentions with behaviour, okay, let's, let's do an example of this. Kids can binge drink for a lot of reasons, right? They can they can binge drink to avoid reality, to have fun, to show off. Um, so you know, can adults, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I know I binge drink for a lot of it. Binge drink, that's not even a blooming word, but like it is now. I, it is now. Um, yeah, I know, I know Living, being a kid, living in the UK, doing it, you know, mm-hmm. that's what you did. You went out and you drank. And only you know your intentions during those times. And sometimes even young people get lost in their intentions, don't they? It's kind of mixed intentions or they're still sort of catching up with how they're feeling. But when a young person binge drinks to self-harm, to express control, cope with emotional pain, that's, you know, that's self-harm. And so you can apply that to to all of young people's behaviour. That's staying connected to their inside story and helping them not get stuck in this really intense dialogue where they don't see a way out because self-harm doesn't solve problems. And that's what I think young people um, come to understand for most young people relatively quickly. Research tells us it's about an 18-month period. Oh, where, okay. Yeah, yeah, which is actually a, a lot of hope for parents who are right in the middle of it. There's a much smaller percent that... Um, are five years and beyond. So there's only 5% of young people who are attempting self-harm that are still self-harming as adults. Mm, mm. Yeah, and it's it like, and and 
it's bizarre because when I think back, I don't think I was, I wouldn't have labeled it as self-harming myself. Um, but it was, it, you know, if you look at the intention, right, it was about me going, can't deal with this at the moment, whether it be boyfriend separate, you know, splitting up with a boyfriend or dealing with whatever. It was very much a, and like now at the age I am now, I go, I sit here and I go, well, that's a silly idea to go and drink because it's still your problem's still going to be there in the morning. Let's face it. Yeah. No, um, it does solve problems. But when you're a teenager, you just want to numb. I think is the numb is a very good word. I think you just want to yeah. numb everything. You don't want to deal with the big emotion because it's just too big, mm-hmm. and and that was and also it's peer, peer pressure as well. Like everyone yeah. else was going out it was acceptable to go out and drink i'm come from the uk it's acceptable for us guys to go out and drink there um Mm -hmm. maybe too acceptable um but so okay so who normally Mm -hmm. does the self-harming stuff is it boys is it girls and because because if we're looking at intent right Mm -hmm. like you were saying right I sometimes do wonder if the boys are doing it for a different reason. It's not about harming, um, but mm-hmm. but I don't know. So, well, it it it's an interesting. You just brought up the social yeah. context of things as well. Now that's really interesting, especially with our boys. If you were to ask boys whether they self harm, they'd look at you and go, "That's a girl thing." But the reality is, I've seen so many boys jump in a car, speed off 100 kilometres an hour with no intent or no care for their life or anybody else's. And they've seen that behaviour modelled from maybe their big brothers or their dads, um, but they're not identifying it for what it is and the intention behind it. So that's a really interesting one. There are certain behaviours that are more socially acceptable and can mask the real distress that people are in. And I think particularly for our boys, we need to be very careful. Jumping from really high heights is another oh one God, with boys. Really? So boys, and I know it's awful. And it it may be in the moment that they're showing off or trying to show, you know, like yeah. how manly they are or whatever it be, but things go wrong. Um, and it's almost like they can really very much know in the moment that, that they are going to break a bone. So it's, it's a really interesting one. Boys tend towards risky behavior. Girls are much more likely to tend towards cutting or overdosing. Wow, cutting or overdosing. Okay. Oh my God. Kids, they're so complicated. No, that's, that's <laughs> um, okay. Well, yeah. No, and, and and that so okay, so there's so okay, so the jet so the both genders do it basically, but both genders do. I will say that girls present with it more. Does that make sense? They identify it, are honest about it, and will go and see a psychologist about it way earlier than most of our boys do. Um, I used to run a psychology clinic, 12 staff, about 120 families a week. I would say oh, 50 to 1 girls presented saying, hey, I'm here because I've been struggling and I'm self-harming. With boys, it'd be a completely different story. Maybe mama dragged them in and the issue was they were playing up at school and it would surface slowly. So there was this real um, failure to want to be vulnerable and admit that that was something that they were struggling with. And um, they were much more likely to choose socially acceptable ways to self-harm to mask what was really wow, going on. Wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. So when we think, oh, it's peer pressure, oh, you know, they, they were goaded on by their mates, actually potentially 
the goading on by their mates was actually the self-harming element mm. within boys um, because that, da- mm. yeah, risky, risky behaviour, behavior, um, yeah. which is them going, oh, I don't care. It's like whatever. You're so insightful, Claire. That's exactly right. And so what's driving that inability to say no can be, you know, like just that inability to cope with emotional pain. Look, let's let's pick up on what you said, though. Um, 30% of young people self-harm actually after hearing somebody else has self-harmed or hearing about self-harm after like a presentation at school. Wow, really? And so we're trying to educate the yeah. children about self-harming, talking to people, mm-hmm. etc. But in giving them information, mm-hmm. we're actually mm-hmm. giving them a tool to yeah, okay. release. Uh, and look, it's interesting you say that. Here we go. This is my therapy session. So sorry, Michelle. But it is interesting you say that. I never forget um, my mum, God love her. She's going to regret this conversation now. My mum had a Jane Fonda book. <laughs> Love Jane Fonda, right? But my mum had a Jane Fonda book and, you know, she'd do exercises out of it. And I, it had like, it was a bit autobiography, a bit of autobiographical. Oh, I can't get my teeth in. Uh, about Jane Fonda and like what she did. And within that book was mentioned Jane Fonda had an eating disorder when she was very much younger. Bearing in mm. mind that I read this book, I used to do exercises out of it. I was always conscious of my image, but then I think, Mm -hmm. us girls are however at 16 there was an incident that happened um to me and I basically decided right that's it I'm gonna get Jane Thunder thin right and so I then I didn't know this but I then developed an eating disorder that basically meant that Mm. I controlled I controlled because everything else in my life was out of control school Mm. wasn't really going Mm -hmm. too great I was a teenager I was 16 Mm -hmm. right so everything wasn't going Mm. great and so the food was the element that I could control and I thought if I could control and all of this stuff so it's very interesting you Mm -hmm. say that that this oh I just want to embrace you now because like the 16 year old you is the kids that I have worked with all my career and you can hear the same story on repeat um yeah so research backs up exactly what you did and exactly how you feel that you know there are these moments where kids Mm. are more vulnerable and they can perceive something is going to be a tool for them to help them through just sort of something where you said that yes now eating disorders are are formally not classified as self-harm because the intention is to change your appearance not to control express cope with emotional pain but you can modify your eating as a form of self-harm so that just plays with your mind a bit. Can you see how yeah. they can work in parallel? Yeah, yeah. And, I, and mine, I think, was the fact that I had everything else out of control in my life. And so therefore controlling what I ate and controlling me physically meant that mm. I could deal with – and, I, and hey, my day job is a program manager, so, you know, I'm a control freak maybe. I don't know. But mm-hmm. in controlling that, I felt like I was getting control of the out-of-control things in my life or the out-of-control emotions. Um, Absolutely. So although um, although I say I had an eating disorder, look, my eating disorder was nowhere near the, mm-hmm. you know, the scale that it can go to. Um, there is research mm-hmm. to say that, you know, lack of zinc and magnesium in your diet as well at teenage years can actually contribute to controlling of food and all of that. There's so many different reasons why we do things. So, you sure know, is, here is not where I'm going to analyze of- myself, but yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And some of the, the some of the research coming up is very much pointing to, um, you know, body, you know, like eating disorders, having a genetic component. What I think is really important is that we as adults um, accept that for some young people, it's actually a part of their struggle and a part of their journey. I, even let's just move into this whole area of body dissatisfaction. I think it's so unrealistic for us to think that there is never going to come a time where our kids stumble uh, and feel dissatisfied with their body. And if we're not expecting it to be rosy all the time and we're not, we lower the bar with what they're going through, acceptance actually opens up the door for us to number one, say there's nothing bad or wrong with you. And number one, to embrace this as a learning opportunity. I think if we don't come at it with a sense of um, acceptance, we actually shut the door to the important learning that needs to happen because we tend to overreact uh, or punish, or we tend to push kids in a corner and we don't create those opportunities for them to grow and learn. And that's what they need in those moments. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. And like, so, so my next question, cause we all know my mum listens to this, right? God love her. And like, <laughs> what's Leslie, her name? God what's love her. her. Name? She's, she Leslie. turned 70 on Sunday. Oops. I put it out oh, there. I know, but God love her. Oh, 70 but, um, rocks. but no, but I, no, maybe intuitively, I and now I have a son. So if I, if I experience what she experienced with me as a teenager, I know that she mm-hmm. discovered. I she didn't. I didn't tell her. She discovered that there was something that as they do. Um, and I thought I'd covered it up so well, but she discovered that I was doing self-harming, doing whatever I was doing with food, right? And so I – and I yeah. know, I mean, mm. I never forget. It was a sit-down conversation. They brought me in. My brother went off to the bed or wherever. They brought me in and I'm serious? like going, shit, yeah. I am – what have I done, right? I'm like, something serious <laughs> yeah. is going on. Yeah. Somebody died. What's going on, right? And then they came out and told <laughs> yeah, me yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's okay because I'd, I'd actually dealt with it and I wasn't really doing any of that anymore, right? <laughs> so I sort of dealt with it, yeah. Yeah, but we're a bit um, but they must have gone. Yeah. And did they start the conversation with "we we just love you so much"? And <laughs> did they what? did they do that? Did they come in? No, with the, no. You know, but I don't. I no, can't oh, really remember. Um, I think it was like, look, we want to sit you down and have a conversation because you know we're a little bit concerned. You know, I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember. Like it's a long time ago, remember. Michelle. You just know it felt big. Oh, no, it, it felt, felt serious big. shit, right? Because my brother was sent away yeah. and there was mum and dad in the room. <laughs> so I know it was serious because dad was there too, right? So that was like, and it was, yeah, look, it was just interesting. So like, God love them. They went, right, we're going to. We're going to sort you, you know, we're going to go. Mum had done her research online and because the internet had just started and she had phoned up people and God love her. And she'd research and research and research and she said, right, we're going to go and talk to some people, right? Uh, which is great. And we did it for a couple of months and it was fine. And it was a parent mother thing, which felt really awkward for me, right? But that's me, yeah, right? Yeah. So, yes, what yeah. do you, like nowadays, if you're a parent, like, what do you do mm-hmm. if you if you uh, let's take girls first yeah. off because I'm and I don't know if it's different but if you discover that your child is eating disorder self-harming um you know like cutting mm-hmm. themselves or just dealing in yes. risky behavior 
one as a parent, it must be horrendous. My son's six. So I haven't yeah. got that yet. Although there are things that have happened in his little life that I go, oh, my God, why didn't I pick mm-hmm. up on that? So as a parent, mm-hmm. what are the things, what are the first things you need to do? Okay. Even before talking to your child. Yes, right? that's because right. Because talking to your child is obviously, not, you know, one of the important things, but there's got to be things prior. So over the yeah. last 20 years, I've been on the front line of that first conversation with parents where their emotions are raw and they're angry and they're blaming themselves or they're in bucket loads of tears. And the first thing we've got to do is process our emotions away from our kids. That's really important. And if that means breathe and take a day or two or get in to see a psychologist so you can just let rip for a minute, um, it just triggers everything in us that makes us feel like a failure as parents. Um, It shines a light on all the things that we think are are inadequacies and parents will want to blame one thing. Claire, this is what happens. Oh, really? Listen, whenever things go wrong, what we want to do is blame one thing. So let me tell you, because you're talking to parents, single parents here, it was that divorce. Oh, it was yeah. that bugger of a husband. It was yeah. that relationship. I shouted at my child, blah, blah, blah. That's it. So, yeah. It was wow. that teacher. It was that friendship. It was that. And so I think as human beings, we want to package our stories up really neatly so they make sense. And blaming something is, is part of that. So the biggest thing to start with is to process your emotions away from your kids and really get in touch with what you're thinking and making sure you realize that these things don't happen because of one thing. They're a conglomeration of things. So it's normally um, poor mental health, um, a, a circumstance that happened. Sometimes family instability can come into it as well. But it's this package that happens that can cause a downward spiral in kids' lives. Yeah. Um, the second thing is realize this, is that there is no perfect way to react. And some of the things that we think are deal breakers really aren't in life. And I say to mums, yeah, look, sometimes they've got pen and paper there trying to get the exact script, what to say. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and they're actually rehearsing it word for word. Like there's some kind of magic in my words. And it's not because they don't trust themselves, but in that moment, they trust me more than they trust themselves. Because it's quite emotional for that parent and therefore you're the voice of reason as such to sort of say, okay, and they look at you and go, well, you're the same one because I'm going through so many emotions. Like I want to strangle them. I want to hug them. I want to, yeah. yeah. I love (laughs) that. I want to strangle them. I want to hug them. That all works. Um, And I get it all the time with my son, so it's all good. (laughs) So I think the key is remembering that some of the things that we think are deal breakers are actually not the deal breakers we think they are. And during those first conversations, don't worry about anything else except connecting and listening and loving. That's your first foundational point of call. And if you don't get all your questions answered, I promise the mamas out there that it won't change the way you parent. I promise it won't because you parent from instincts and you don't need all the facts to verify it. So that's one big thing. And then the the third thing I'll say this is Kids, I I learn a lot from trauma specialists and then I work backwards. And trauma specialists will say that love, consistent love that's unconditional and, you know, belonging, safety and boundaries are really, really important for kids when they're feeling like they're out of control. 
And when we can step into kids' lives when they're feeling out of control with a big adult presence that says, I've got you, I'm, I'm bigger than this, I can hold you. And you've, I've said to some girls, I've just looked at them straight and I'd say, I'm really good at my job. So you just grab my hand and we're just going to walk through this together. And it's that sense of big presence and big person in their lives that I think just grounds everything. When kids have guardrails, boundaries, it's safe for them. Mm. And so please, parents, don't think that just because your kid's going through a difficult time, it's not the time to bring in boundaries and to be those guardrails. It's actually really is the time because they have a <laughs> faulty brake system. In other words, they've got a lot of emotions that are turbocharged without the, the brakes or the rational thinking to slow that down. And yeah. we can operate at that brake system sometimes and bring the guardrails in that they need. And do we like... Because I could understand if you discover, say, for example, say you discover your child is cutting themselves. Mm -hmm. I can discover, you know, like as a parent, I would be shocked. Yeah. And I'm just going into where I would be if it was my son. Like I would be shocked. I would be panicking. Like why are they doing that? Like, um, you know, why do they feel that they need to be able to do that? The panic of it all and everything like that. And so what quintessentially what you're saying is stop breathe, take a step back, talk to phone, mm-hmm. talk to somebody, phone somebody. If it's say, like, and I don't know, like, are there websites where you can go, yeah. like, if your child is mm-hmm. cutting, mm-hmm. can you Google, like, yeah, my child absolutely. is like, and so, so there's one of the advantages Headspace, of having Google Beyond there. Blue, helplines. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. right. And I know you've got people from all over yeah. the world who have different helplines in yes. different countries. But, but, you know, it's that instant, Google it. It's, yeah, it's that inst- yeah, it's easy these days, isn't it? Yeah, but it's instant access. And if you don't have that, think of who's the psychologist in your family. Every family has a psychologist, don't yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> Someone well, I would a- hope so. <laughs> Someone with a big heart. Because we need it. That's right. It's it's like the residential family psychologist is Uncle Bob or whatever it be. Or yeah. last resort, if you can't do any of that. So if you mm-hmm. can't Google it, you don't have a psychologist in your family, local doctor, like your family doctor. Absolutely. Great, great So just call. go there Perfect and go, call. hey, I've discovered this happening. I don't really know what mm-hmm. to do. Um, mm-hmm. Look, and at the end of the day, I have to say, Doctors deal with it. Like, don't be embarrassed to go to your doctor and have that conversation. GPs can exactly, awesome. and they deal with yeah. they deal with all different situations mm. every day. So, if you think and clinics like psych clinics who deal with young people all the time, like the amount of mums we would have and dads, but particularly mums ringing just in tears and saying, "I've just discovered my daughter's sexting," or "I've just discovered a blade in a room," or whatever it be. Um, and, and, you know, they are very accommodating and there is a lot of help on websites like Headspace as well. I mean, my website yes. has some blogs as well and some instant downloads that people can sort of download an audio that's an hour of me speaking on self-harm, but very much to focused on what to do, like an action plan when you find out, because that's the time where people are really reaching out for information. Yeah. People, you know, our kids want us in those moments Overreactions um, will will push them yeah. away. So we've got to ground ourselves. We've got to be able to be in a place where it's not all about us and we're able to connect with them and what it's about for them. And 
it's really hard to understand for parents. It's like, I love you. I want to protect you. Why on earth would you want to hurt yourself? And so to be able to stay, stay with, to a young person, and I actually got this from Karen Young, but she said, what's going on makes sense in your mind right now. And if I was in your mind, it would completely make sense, but I'm not. So from where I'm standing, you're going to have to help me understand what's going on. You're going to have to fill in these gaps for me. And if you can get a young person to a point where they're able to speak to you openly, I think from there you you determine an action plan together. Coping kits are really helpful, Claire. A kit where, and I think we talked about it in our last episode. I think we? we did. I um, think we did. Yeah, yeah. I think we did. Yeah. You've done so many. I know. Since Sorry. <laughs> Yay! No, just put it in. <laughs> but yeah, no, 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 no. But I think we did. I think we did talk about it. But I and and let's go back to the coping kits. But I just wanna, I really wanna emphasize what you just said there because I think how you phrased that was really non-confrontational. It wasn't like, well, why are you doing this? What what is going? Yeah. Like I I, I know. Um, it's all about us. It's all about asking open questions, but not actually accusing or like and why questions are very they can be misinterpreted as accusing like why 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 you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and also sometimes what so you know it's we need to Mm -hmm. phrase it so that it is very open very honest and very much like I don't know help me understand help me it's about helping me understand what's going on with you how can I best support you do you want to go through some language that parents can use then okay so things like judgments, criticisms, overreactions, mm. pushing confessions, that's a big one, yeah. it, like get, not giving them an opt-out when they're overwhelmed, insensitivity as well, mm. like being very harsh or um, dismissive about it, a lack of knowledge on the topic or just attempting to come in with a lot of control, all of those things are going to repel young people. And so we need to look at ways where we can, you know, use our language well. How about this one? Is there anything I could do right now that yeah. would make a difference? Because they may come back and say, no, I'm all right. And then what we say is that's their boundaries. We have to respect those emotional boundaries, okay, but I still need to step up into the place of your mum because I would be irresponsible of the parent if I didn't. Yeah. And so my job is safety, love, belonging boundaries that's my job um so that's not negotiable that that's just my baseline but if you don't want anything specific from me right now I'm going to recognize that that doesn't mean full stop Claire that's just a little comma that's just that's a breathing space and at the end of the day right um number one right these kids like me sitting in my lounge room with my two parents being confronted with this like it's a, like when you get caught as mm-hmm. such even though i'd finished what i was doing with when you get caught you know it's you have to have time to process that right so there may be nothing that you can do for your child right now because they're going shit yeah. i got caught yeah, yeah okay i don't know how to deal with this and so it's then as a parent taking a step away mm-hmm. and going right okay let's let them just process that yeah um and I'm thinking specifically for boys but it's the same with girls it was the same with me I went shit okay right um 
and they, I needed time. <laughs> I needed yeah, time to go. Right. But how am I going to deal with yeah, this? Yeah. Right? How much I've got to deal with my parents now. Yeah. And also, as a teenager, you think you've got all the answers as well. And you think oh, you, you, do. you and and look, they're little people, right? So yeah, they what are. they feel and the emotions that they go through, are the same as what we do as Absolutely. an adult, but they're not as mature. Mm-hmm. And have Absolutely. dealt with so many experiences that we have, right? And also we're the parents, right? So they go, oh, what do you know? And yeah. it's like you sit there as a parent and go, well, actually, I've been through all of what you're going through mm. and probably some worse stuff. Yeah. If our listeners ever need a direct answer from kids, then don't use open questions. Ask them a question and don't give them a lot of lead-in time. So it kind of catches them un- unawares. So, you know. Found a blade in your room, are you self-harming? You know, like so yes or no. Yeah, yeah. So if they if they need to address and get more information about something, the way to do it is to not go the open-ended route, but direct quick, fast with no. two two options to answer that question. Do you like this one? Yeah. Is there anything going on that I could be missing? I think that is actually an important one to ask in a situation like this. Heaven forbid we are mm. missing things, mm. but it is possible. Bullying at school, oh. you know, an incident of abuse. Like, you know, it's your worst fear yeah, as a parent, exactly. isn't it, to know that there's something that could have oh. happened that you could be missing. But that's an important question. But I have to say, right, from personal experience, kids are very easy at hiding stuff. Oh, My yeah. son is six, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the only time that I know something critical is going on in his life is he doesn't sleep at night. He will there be up every night, two, three, four o'clock. It kills me. Mm-hmm. And I've only just, just worked it out. figured this out, right? And he's six, right? Mm-hmm. Soon to be seven. But like, I've only just figured this out. And I go, oh, hang on a minute those last three months where he couldn't sleep every night or whatever, Mm. or there were, you know, and it would be sporadic, Mm. but you just go, stuff was going on in his head and Mm. it's working through. So there will be, there will be flags, but look, it took me three months to figure out what the hell was going on. It's, you know, and, um, I've been with families with like whose kids are going through chronic bullying at school. Like not just, I'm not talking about friendship dramas. I'm talking about, you know, physical assault, like I'm talking. And the shame wrapped around some of those things has enabled them to hide it in such an unhealthy way. But it's amazing. It's a question worth asking. I mean, the other one that I think that is worth asking and all kids deserve is would you be open to seeing a doctor or a psychologist? You yeah. you deserve, not need, you need support because you're so messed up. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you deserve support right now. And I want to make sure that you get the best. And that is an awesome word because, yeah, need means that they're like, you know, they're, you know, it's it's almost implying, well, you're crazy and you need this, right? right. Whereas, yeah, yeah. And you can't force that either. Like you just can't. You can say to kids, look, just try it for one time with me or, you know, do you want to pick your own psychologist and go to the web and sort of, you can try and give them a lot of choice, but ultimately they've got to be active participants in it. There is no point in dragging a 14-year-old boy somewhere where he doesn't want to go. I can, yeah, I completely agree because at the end of the day, they're the ones that need to own Mm. what's going on and deal with and come and, you know, own those actions as such, own that change, own that education. We really want to 
give our kids the impression that we're grateful for them just the way they are. And stress plus something equals relief for all of us. And I think we need to realize that sometimes we get on our high and mighty as adults and we forget how intense those teenage years can be. And so we realize that maybe we eat the, you know, tub of ice cream or the block of chocolate or whatever, but it's actually the same way of coping. I mean, drink the bottle of wine, you know, um, but it's in a way that's self-harming as well. Well, it's it's maybe not a sinister. Okay, so let's yeah, think no, no, of it no, as no, a no, continuum. No. But like, my choice is not a blade. All right. So when I get stressed, but it's stress a bottle plus, of wine, maybe. Yeah. The, see, there's the there's the options. We choose less harm. We choose more healthy ways of dealing with things. But the reality is, if it's not solving problems, it's not working for us. Yeah. So I think sometimes we've got to realize that anything to do with our mental health as human beings is this continuum. And so we do have to be very gracious about the extremities of teenagers because they can get into a habit and come out of it also quite quickly. Um, and we don't want to exasperate it and make it worse in the process. No, no. And while you were just talking that, I was wondering, I know we've talked about quite dark things like um cutting and you know to, to a certain extent um you know eating disorders and self-harming via alcohol binge drinking and whatever and jumping off of things so they're <laughs> all like what I would class as harming them right um mm-hmm. but are there any elements elements this is me trying to find my words are there any any things uh, activities maybe mm-hmm. that would not be thought as harming mm-hmm. like you no know, I'm thinking um like a child who is um obsessed every day with doing I don't know 200 sit-ups and going and doing an hour in the gym and like we would class that as being healthy because they're wanting to get fit and healthy and all but excessive. it's excessive mm-hmm. are there things like that that would be yeah. classed as like self-harming obsessive like and I don't know if self-harming would be the right word yeah I think it's probably outside yeah it's probably not the right word and remember there's clinical definitions for things that are very rigid and tight for a reason and I think when we're having these personal chats Mm. with each other we're exploring sort of the surrounds of some of these topics and our mind is thinking about excessive exercise and I think the bottom line is if it's not serving our kids well and it's harming them or stopping them able to function in life or they're not able to solve a problem by using that as a strategy. It's not healthy. So at the very basis of this is is strengthening our kids' mental health and knowing, like you said with your beautiful little boy, mama knows when the routine for that child is off. My mum used to always say to me, Michelle, I can't ever tell when you're sick except when you watch television. Isn't that bizarre? Because I never used to sit still long enough to watch television and that wasn't something that I liked to do. So my mum would say, oh, she must be sick. She's watching television. And then that was the cue to, because I probably wasn't very good at articulating that. So can you see how we're so connected with our kids and we don't have to know to yeah. know they're off? Yeah. No, it, you're, you're 100% right. It's, yeah, I know. I know. So um, is there anything you can do? Because this sits in my back of my mind and I think, oh, this definitely would be a difficult one out there is there anything that you can do if your child is so adamant they just do not want to connect with you they don't want to talk to you it is just 
something you know every time you approach a subject it's barriers go up walls go up Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. is there something you can do to get through I I don't know I don't know but it must be yeah this is a great question because it's so common Claire you just bang on all the common things this is great okay now let me broaden it and explain it so even if kids aren't self-harming, this is just a, a real typical teenage thing, isn't it? And what happens is we need it more than they do. Yeah, probably. So we've got this emotional need in us that's got high energy and it's really strong. And every time, let me use my kids as an example, but every time my boys see me, they see a big loser on my forehead or a big neediness coming yeah. towards them. And we want to know every detail about their life and we want to have a big chat. And it's oftentimes that we've been dreaming about, you know, cozy chats in coffee shops all our lives. And so we're coming out of this place of quite, I'm, I'm needing intimacy from my kids. And they're telling us we need it more than they do or we don't need, they don't need it right now from us in the same way we do. And we're expecting parents, our relationship with our kids to be like a two-way street. It's just not, I'm sorry, parents. It's not about us. It's all on their terms. And the sooner we realize that that's actually nothing wrong with that, their selfishness is absolutely necessary for them to build their own life away from us. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that It's really hard, but it's real. It's like at the moment he's like he's all huggy and all of that stuff but Mm. this year and he's only in grade one we don't now don't hold hands walking to school and I and it's only happened in the last few weeks but he's like I'm like come on hold my hand he's like no I don't hold hands and it's like I'm like my little boy's Mm -hmm. growing up but it like and I, but I I laugh about it actually because it's like he's almost like he's going well I'm a you know I'm another year on at school yeah. like I'm getting yeah, into being yeah. a man the, sort of, yeah. man. and it's yeah. quite funny because he's you know he's getting quite tall as well he's now up to my shoulders which is great I'm either shrinking or he's oh, growing but yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's a great and there and I read somewhere I heard somewhere on a podcast or whatever I don't know my brain I'm 50 and my brain goes like mush sometimes but like I read somewhere that our children are um, oh, it's a philosopher, probably. Uh, our children are not for us, so they're not our possession. Uh, yeah. They're their own people. Yeah, yeah. Doctor, they're their own people. There's yeah. actually, I think it's a, oh, it's a mm-hmm. philosopher. It's a friend of mine who gave me a, a like Roman Greek okay. philosophy book that it actually says in there. And I read it, having my son was only two at the time, but I read it and I went, wow, okay, so. So you got to celebrate this, celebrate him, and you got yeah. to deal with, and you got to deal with your neediness yes. crap. And the the more that we can give them autonomy, safety, love boundaries, yeah, but autonomy and choice within a lot of that, and celebrate them growing into their own person that is different and doesn't represent every element of us. Yeah, exactly. That's healthy. Exactly. Yeah. So it, they're not for us. They're not our possession as such. For they're their own people, right? They're they're an enhancement they're not for our in ego. our lives, but um, not actually something that we own. That we like, you know. Or a blessing. So, yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. And the the interesting thing with that is when our kids go through their ups and downs, it's actually then not all about us. 
it's not all about whether we did it right or wrong. It's not all about how wonderful we were as parents or not. It's actually about their journey and accepting their journey and the lessons they need to learn to grow into a healthy Mm. human being. And when we come at it from that mindset, we don't get enmeshed in their experience Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, I agree. So look, we've sort of covered self-harming under a massive, massive umbrella, really, because it's like covered lots of different subjects. And thank you, because my view of self-harming was razor blades, cutting wrists, digging holes in your skin or whatever. That was my view. Mm. And I didn't realise that there was such a lot outside of that, which is great. Look, and so thank you for bringing Mm. that to the podcast and actually educating me on that and and my listeners what uh, michelle at the moment what are you currently involved in what are you like um what's going on for you let's have a chat about what's going on for you oh i'd love to lots of exciting things i'm actually really um delving into some new areas at the moment i know i'm finishing up a book um for parents of tweens so the nine to 12 bracket really getting in before their teenagers and looking at what's happening developmentally at that age and how we can best support them and I have given myself a deadline of next Friday to finish that because I have been I've been working on it for a long time it's time to wrap it up Michelle otherwise (laughs) because it really means a lot to me this book so I've really put my heart into this one um and I'm also working on an online show for that age group Okay, and it's so flipping exciting and I'm I'm just full of creativity and excitement about it and I I'm tired of hearing the stats and just not doing anything and I'm like let's do something positive so my webinars for kids went really well last year and I've just built on that and it's become um, a bit more of a show and I hope kids love it and so when you say it's a show like where can where can people see this like what is it on YouTube? Is it like, yeah. It's not live yet. So it's going to be um, in a subscription platform in my website. So I can totally control the chat because we are going to have live elements. Um, Yeah, I know. So it's going to be everything they want, but I don't want to. So I've really created a platform that's really safe for it. Um, I'm so thrilled about it. But yeah, so I I don't have a launch date now. Because, I mean, we don't even know, but should we keep this space But the thing posted? is, if people go to your website, right, yeah, then they great. can sign up to your mm-hmm. newsletter and yeah. then you'll send notifications and the stuff right. through about the actual. Right. So so I say this, people go to your website. Mm-hmm. What was your website address again? It's just michellemitchell.org, O-R-G. O-R-G that's yeah. right. I always get the endy bits wrong. .org. And also I have to say... If anyone is listening to this podcast episode and they want to know more about self-harming, they want to educate themselves in a little bit more detail, you've actually written a book about self-harming as well, haven't you? I sure have. It's packed with research. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's called Self-Harm, Why Teens Do It and What Parents Can Do to Help. Um, it's a great resource for families. Um, yeah. Hey, can we give two away? Can we do that? Oh. Yeah, of course you let's can. do that. However, you want to do that, let's just yeah. do that. Um, okay. Yeah. So, well, I'll tell you what. Send me a couple, and then I'll do. Um, I don't know. People message me, so let's go message me on Facebook. Let's go message me on Facebook, mm-hmm. and um, 
the first two people to message me, I'll send them out. Sounds fantastic. Um, There's lots of free blogs there too. And if parents are like really desperate, what do I do right now? There's like a $10, I think it's $9 actually audio download that they can get to. So it's, it's instant stuff. If the book is like a few days waiting for a book can feel like a long time when you've just found out your kid's not in a good place. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And my mum would probably agree with you as well that way. I'm sure she was straight on the phone when she discovered what she discovered. Um, And um, the book, right, Mm -hmm. um, people can purchase it from all the relevant places like Booktopia and Amazon and all of those stuff, or do they? So they can purchase it from there and also on your website? Yeah, that's right. They can. So Dimix has it through Dimix as well. Um, So, yeah, yeah. Lots of practical stuff in there. Talks about the difference as well between – habitual and voluntary self-harm so talking about you know just that that addictive nature of it and and how that interacts with brain kids brains differently but it's a lot of hope in there a lot of practical hope yeah yeah no that's fair enough that's fair enough and look normally normally Mm -hmm. I'd ask somebody if you had a superpower, what would it be? But I asked you that on the last podcast, so I can't <laughs> ask you that again. It hasn't changed. No, so well, we'll we'll have no. to go back and listen to the last podcast oh, no. exactly, to find out. Exactly my right. Thank you for that, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so the, I'm going to take I'm going to take a leaf out of Tim Ferriss's book because I listen to Tim Ferriss. People who listen to this podcast will know. God I love Tim Ferriss. If you had a billboard. Mm-hmm. In a busy street somewhere, I don't know, let's call it. If you had a billboard opposite Flinders Street Station in Melbourne, because I'm all about Victoria and Melbourne, what would you put on that billboard so that I know, sorry, I'm really, this is off the cuff. This is off the cuff, so I'm sorry. But what would you put on that billboard that you wanted people to see? Phrase. All people or just parents? No, everyone. Like everyone um, walking, everyone coming out of that train station, coming out of Florida Street, and it can get quite busy. And it's on a billboard mm. across the road. Everyone, what would you want them to see? A try and come up with something fancy around hope. Oh, okay. And I, I don't have anything fancy off the top of my head, but you know, I think if we can keep hope in our lives. It's just so powerful and you don't need, okay, this is maybe oh, what I put, like you don't need, oh, here we go, here we go. Here here we go. go. <laughs> but you don't need a degree to help people. No. I think we're so caught up with getting a, an appointment with a psychologist and I love psychologists, like that's not my point, but it's like we actually just need to connect with each other and we don't need to be anything or anyone fancy to actually be able to see here and be in the moment with someone and really love them where yeah. they're at. And I think that gives people hope. It gives people that sense that life is worth living. Yeah. And look, and I agree. I don't have a good degree. And a lot of people probably listening to this would go, yeah, we know, but life. But look at well, you. Whatever it's like, I'm at, I'm living. I'm I'm in doing what I enjoy, but what I enjoy is continually learning. And I think life is a journey. And I think if you go, oh, I've got a degree now, and I'm going to stop learning, well, then you're going to get a kick in the head or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? Mm-hmm. You're continually learning. And I'm 50, and I'm still learning. And one of the reasons I enjoy doing this podcast is because I'm learning stuff from people like yourself Beautiful. and everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that the stuff I'm learning 
And a lot of the questions I ask are because I need to know these things because I've got a mm-hmm. six-year-old who's going like through the roof with stuff. And, you know, I, I want to learn. You know, I hopefully will not I stop learning until I drop off this mortal coil. But, yeah. And I think we're very internally connected these days. There's been a real mm. shift towards being connected with who we are. And and I think sometimes at the expense of that, we can become too internally connected and yeah. not be connected enough with what's going on around us and the needs of people. And I feel like if we're not being generous with ourselves and offering hope at any moment we can, which can just come in the form of a smile or a listening ear, it doesn't have to be a grand gesture, it really stops people problem solving in life. They get stuck. They feel alone. Yeah. And and look, I know I've said this several times on the podcast, like I connecting with people is so important. Like in my darkest, darkest holes, I had a mate, God love her, Sharon, used to phone me every single week, every week. Oh, God love her, um, yes. And, you know, she's probably the reason I didn't walk in front of a truck or do whatever, you know, because somebody was just – phoning me all she did was listen I just spat it off she and then I would say oh what's going on with your life she'd tell me and then that was it and it might not be every week you know but like a lot of the time it was every week and I was stuck at home dealing with a baby and like the crazy life that I was living so you know just picking up that phone connecting with the people who you know are important to you in life and um yeah just and I think the older we get, the the harder it is to do that yeah. for some reason. And I think we need to do that uh, consistently and realise that if we don't get the, the level of intimacy out of the first connection we have with someone up, you know, since a while, that it doesn't mean that next week, the week after, the week after, that that relationship won't build to a place where it's substantial. We all will remember people who came into our lives in pivotal moments. And those people are just priceless. Yeah, I agree with you. And blokes out there listening to this podcast, this includes you as well. I know us women can talk, right? And you can, <laughs> you can hear us, like, you know, but like, <laughs> you know, I think it's easier for women to have those conversations and um, like, man, go phone your mates up, find out if they're all right as well. You know, it's not just us women. It's, you know. I've been watching blokes lately. I think they're doing a damn good job of it these yeah, days. Yeah, I, I do agree. They, they have win, whinge sessions, Claire. That's what I call it. I overhear there's a certain tone that they, they get. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh okay, that's all right then. You know? but, but it's great because they're actually bonding over like that, you know. It's it's great. It's just what we do as well. I, I and, say to a lot of my mate, a lot of my male friends, I go, look, I'm sorry, I just need to get this out of my body and then I'll solve it, okay? Because <laughs> if it's in my if I, it's in my body and in my head and stuff and I don't externalize it, I'm never gonna solve. I'm not gonna say. It's almost like I need to verbally throw it out of my body, and then I go. Oh. You set that up well. That's a good setup. So you set. Yeah, you set that conversation up well. Just stick with me yeah. because once I get it out, it's gonna be. I, right. I have to though because these poor guys. I see their eyes sort of glaze over and they go, "Oh, here we go." And I go, "No, no, no. This you're helping me because they go because well, because also in society at the moment they go, "Oh my God, right? Okay, this woman is like." throwing verbally up over me right and I'm I mustn't solve any issues because that's what I've been told I can't do is solve things Mm. but they are helping me so I actually have to set it up and go look you are helping me just let me get it out and then I'll sort it out and it's very funny because I did that 
with a friend of mine to get the name of this podcast because it was called something different originally. It was called A Little Bit of Crazy, which is sometimes what I say a lot. And um, and I thought, I can't keep – like, there's no – like, for mental fitness and mental health of people, calling a podcast a little bit of crazy is not maybe the best thing. So I sat there and I had to have a brainwave, and I never forget I was driving, talking to a mate in Sydney, just emotionally like splurting everything out to to get the name where we are, which is great. It's an awesome name, and I love it, and it's all good. But yes, so look, sorry, I don't know where we went with all of that, but. Thank you. I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to let you move on to your next meeting because you're like, you're like so busy today. But look, thank you so much once again for coming on the podcast. Um, I love talking to you. Um, you give such really good insight into how to deal with and ask the relevant questions to people, uh, to people, to your children, um, to try and get that information and to tell people, hey, you know, just step off, step back a bit. Um, they will, you know, it'll work out. It will be fine. So look, Michelle, thank you so much again. And um, yeah, have a great day and a happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. You have a great day. I always love a chat with you. No worries. All good. Lots well, of maybe we can speak again when you launch your TV show. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. Get back in contact. I'm going to be like, bada, 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 about that. I'm really Happy excited. Days. We start filming in a few weeks. So. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Well, look, you're more than welcome to come back. Love speaking to you. But, like, I will let you go. Thanks, and um, Thank you. And thanks to all our listeners. Appreciate yes, it. Thank you, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast, or for links, resources, and show notes, go to our website, www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey, and Twitter. I hope you have a wonderful week. And I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.